Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Charlotte. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Catherine Dingway of the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Dingway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How you doing, Adam? I had a strange interaction today with a, a sandwich artist. He went to Jared. <laughs> Not everyone who makes sandwiches should claim that moniker. So I'm, I'm going to say very specifically, I did not go to a subway. I went to a, a different uh, LA okay. sandwichery. Uh huh. And something happened to me that I shared with you over text that I wanted to rap about on the show. You dropped a bomb into the text message and I asked for clarification and you did not offer it. Well, it's, uh, I, feel, I feel like you were saving it for content. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's paint the whole picture because we both went out and got second boosters today. Right. We're about to go back out on on tour for our last tour stop. This sort of sets this episode in time, if you will. <laughs> if if we have died after our Austin show. Don't get a second booster. If... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do like us. It works at cross purposes with what our goal is. I don't know how you felt after your first booster, but I felt fucking great. And I have continued to feel great today after my second, like super, super oh, interesting. amount of energy, like feeling great. So anyway, I, when when I got my first shot, my first first shot, I I like drove home and I was like, I, I was in tears. I was so happy, but I've never I I didn't get sick or down from any of no. my shots. No, so I, I know a lot of people get you know like a day of having like cold like symptoms or flu like symptoms. But I don't I know if this that. has been your experience either. But I don't even feel the needle going in. I don't know what it is about these vaccines or boosters, but like totally painless experience going into the shoulder uh-huh. like like oh yeah like did you do it is it in i asked <laughs> i asked my pharmacist to get the bucatini gauge needle yeah. out so I, I really felt it <laughs> i was feeling super hype after the booster so i took myself out for one of my favorite sandwiches in the neighborhood i know uh-huh. you'd never do that as an anti-sandwich no. yeah but i go in there and I was offered something I'd never been offered before at the sandwich place, which is like a, a butcher shop slash deli sandwich spot, which is what I think right. really puts this place a cut above. So I'm in there and I order a sandwich and the guy's trying to upsell me. I've never been upsold here. He's like, hey, you want some fries with that? And I'm like, I don't smell fry oil in this butcher <laughs> shop. I don't smell anything like that. You're going to make me fries? And he's like, man... Best fries in LA. And, Big claim. And without even like reflexively, I've been doing this a lot. I was like, get out of town. <laughs> Which is something I'm trying to bring back as a, oh, as a yeah. reaction to something crazy. Get out of town. In college, there was a guy that said, get out of town. Go downtown. And <laughs> we said that for years. <laughs> well, now, now I feel like I did it incompletely. But I threw it right back in this guy's face, and, and I gave him the hook to get off on. Yeah, I, I was yeah. like, if, if he did not truly believe this, he'd be like, yeah, they're pretty good. But no, he doubled down. He's like, best fries in LA, bro. And I didn't even want fries. I just wanted the sandwich. But you hear that. What, else, what are you going to do? She... You got to get the fries. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. I got the fries. Mm-hmm. 
I was given the bag with my sandwich and fries and I took it out to the car. There's no place to eat in this place. It's a butcher shop. You take your sandwich yeah. out of there. And this is can, an important I, detail. Did you see the fries on your way to the car? Is, nope. are they, is this an open bag or is this is a... Uh, these are the this de- is a Schrodinger's French fry at this point. These are the details that I'm I'm about to lay on you. Okay. So bag with a wrapped sandwich, wrapped in paper, yeah. and a cardboard box. You know the the box for to go food that we're all familiar with by now. The brown right. little flip yeah. top box. Right. Get it to the car, and there are no vent holes for those fries. Not good. Not good. So I I was like I want to give these fries the best chance. To live up to their <laughs> reputation. So in the car, I open the box. Oh, what's in the box? I open the box not a minute after I receive the fries. They're already limp as hell. What the hell? These are limp fries. The inside of the box is sweating. Oh. And I couldn't believe this. I'm like, this is a technology that karaage places have perfected. People, right. people who have perfected the fried food takeout technology have known for years that you must cut vent holes into the to-go box so you don't sog out your crisp frying is a dark art but the the best fries are crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and if and if they can't off gas that water vapor you're gonna ruin the crispy i was crestfallen so i'm in the car and i open up the fries and i'm like fine i'll i'll take some of these to the dome first of all I need to send yeah. you a picture, and this 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 picture is going to go up on social media. Okay, so you're Jackie and this is not Jackie and Laurieing because you're going to share this with the public. This is a box of fries in the front seat of my car for scale. Look at how many uh-huh. they gave me. Wow, this is like five pounds of French fries. This is yeah. This is this is like three really big russet potatoes. If you wanted to go to a place and just say that you wanted fries for dinner. Yeah. This is an entree amount of fries, <laughs> I would say. So how, uh, generous. Do you know, do, do you recall how much they charged for this quantity of French fries? It pains me to say this because these are LA prices. I feel like in LA, this isn't going to make anyone flinch. But this yeah. was a, this was a foot long butcher shop deli sandwich and fries for $23. <laughs> And like that was kind of a stomach punch. Like that's a, that's yeah. a lot to spend. But I was feeling for, frisky. For lunch, come on! I was feeling bulletproof after my booster. Yeah. And so I bought myself an expensive lunch. So I got, I feel like I got an amount of fries worth the price. <laughs> and the fries were good, but they would have been so much better if there were vent holes in the box. Yeah. Yeah. They they were not the best fries in LA. It sounds like. They might have been, but I would never know. Yeah. But here's the thing. I want but nobody would ever know because there's no way to eat them in the restaurant. The best way to taste French fries is like the best way to taste Neapolitan pizza. You got to eat it right there. Out of the oven, out of the fry oil, right onto the table. I want to wind this back up to the very beginning, though, in that moment where he's yeah. like, would you like fries? They're the best fries in LA. When you say something like that, there is a specific <laughs> gravity to that moment. Like you can't just say that. Right. You can't just say that because you are guaranteeing a sale, I feel like. I saw him do the same thing to three other people behind me in line. One person turned it down. She was incredible. I don't I have no idea how she was able to turn down an <laughs> offer like that. The other the other couple of people took him up up on the fry offer. Yeah. And 
I've got to believe, had to have been a little underwhelmed by the no vent holes in the fry box thing. Go down to a uh, a karaage place. Ask who their who their uh, packaging supplier is. Place an order. Deli sandwich slash butcher shop. I feel manipulated because when you say something is the best in a place like L.A., you got to back it up. Because I'm going to believe you. This is the boy who cried best rise in L.A. Sheer fucking hubris. Do you ever run into that? Like, L.A. is a world city full of the culinary riches beyond avarice, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it really really delivers in so many ways. And this is the first time I encountered the... Like, so often in L.A., I... I realize the promise that's unspoken, but this was a yeah. this was a spoken promise unrealized, and it really twisted me up. I think that L.A. has a culture of this is the best X in L.A., but it it can't come from the place, right? You know, it has to come secondhand. Unfortunately, once a place gets that rep, it then becomes a line place, and yeah. there's so many restaurants and food things in LA where you have to stand in line for like a fucking hour to to get it. Like the best Nashville hot chicken place in LA, I've never eaten because I am unwilling to stand in the line that you have to stand in to taste it. And yeah. like it just doesn't it's a, it's not a fun hang for me. Like I I hit a certain age and I I tapped out of all line standing that could be avoided you know and yet being a new person in a city i often like i note the line yeah as yeah. a, as a suggestion like when, yeah when the line dies down there i'm gonna go check it out totally yeah that's when i drop the star on my google map right yeah, exactly well i'm sorry that uh i mean the fries looked like they would be really good in a hot on a plate context you know they were really good in a soggy because the the box wasn't vented kind of way, like you could taste the potential. But that is not a motto you see ever put on <laughs> a, on an In and Out Burger wrapper. You know, like no, like no. in a way that you taste the quality, you don't taste the potential. Yeah, you don't. The potential is something that is notably absent from the taste. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if it were if it were something you could taste, you taste it. Yeah, exactly. Fresies Mont. We'll we'll have to hit this. We'll 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 leave a Yelp review and and surely this restaurant will uh will straighten this out. Yeah, I mean it makes me wonder if the Cheesecake Factory has better fries. It's something that we've never tried mm. there, but on an upcoming wow. episode of Factory Seconds, kind of makes me wonder yeah, how they might, would stack up in the fry department. Finally see where they are French fry wise. Well, Adam, do you want to see where we are Borg implant wise on today's episode? Yeah. Are they in or are they out? (laughs) Yeah. Are they in yet? My Audi would never do something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's Star Trek Voyager season four, episode two. It's called The Gift. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) The Voyager starts by doing a close-up drive-by of the camera. Yeah. Still caked in green board crap. It really looks like the ship was used to clean up a mess. You, you, <laughs> you have towels in your house that are just used for uh, chores, like yeah, yeah. mopping up a yeah, spill you, or whatever. You start life as a towel in my house, as a, yeah. as a hand towel in the kitchen, and then when 
the stains are no longer coming out in the wash. You get moved into the rag bucket. I I have a stack of old undershirts for this purpose. <laughs> yeah, and that's what the Voyager looks like. My question for you is... It looks like a stack of old undershirts. <laughs> why wouldn't... Are they sure some of these bolt-ons aren't things that they're going to want to keep? Because, I mean, for the entire episode, this this episode is about can they get Seven of Nine on their level and working for them instead of against them? And if yeah. you don't know the answer to that question yet, would you want to keep the parts bolted on in the, in the short term until you know that? I had the same thought, and I think that they tried to bridge that gap a little bit in this episode with the we can't get the warp power going yeah and it's all related probably i guess so but like when they start talking about taking the borg armor and weapons off the ship it's like do not who doesn't want more armor yeah like armor is armor right it doesn't have anything to do with the propulsion yeah you never trade down your armor in skyrim no give me a break yeah (laughs) <laughs> but the other part of the ship that is real Borgy is the cargo bay. It still just looks like the inside of a cube. And Seven of Nine is on a recharge mat, one of those wireless rechargers. Yeah. And Tuvok, the captain, and the doctor walk in and they are talking about her as a new member of the family. There's always room for family. They describe a kind of battle happening inside her where the Borg's parts and the human parts are competing for what is going to win her body. It sounds a lot like an organ transplant and they have to put you on immunosuppressants so that your body doesn't reject the new tissue. Like her body was accustomed to the Borg crap because the connection to the hive mind and all of the nanobots in her body were, were making her biological components think that that technical crap was her friend but now it's her enemy yeah i mean if the borg's parts end up winning it seems pretty unlikely that seven of nine would be a viable crew person on the show the exocomp has returned if the human parts end up winning rick berman definitely wins (laughs) yeah So they're kind of talking about that, like, we're going to have to perform some surgery on this patient, and uh, we're also going to have to be performing some surgery on the ship, because uh, there's a lot of Borg crap on the ship. We also get, like, a POV of the captain and the doctor and Tuvok in this when Seven of Nine wakes up that really recalls the Predator cam. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in sci-fi, you can just lean on Predator cam. Like, for the rest of history. Yeah. It's part of what made independent film in the sci-fi genre so attainable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like looking at looking at us from an alien perspective. What does that look like? Predator cam. Yeah. It looks like a DV camera piece of footage. Uh, real, <laughs> real shaken up. They went down to, like, the Circuit City. They bought the cheapest mini DV camera yeah. they could get. They fed that into the computer and dropped, like, 10 million Instagram filters on it. Whatever happened to all those DVX-100s? The thousands upon thousands of DVX-100s <laughs> that went out into independent filmmaking that I had, that I know you had yeah. at one point, like... I never had a DVX 100, but buying an HVX 200. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the gave P2 card career. one, right? Yeah, yeah. That was with the P2 cards. And like, yeah. I, I, I booked directing jobs early in my career because I had a camera. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, that rule. That was a great cam. I used it for many years. I never owned yeah. one. I owned the DVX and I rented the HVX. And the footage yeah. worked great together. Panasonic really uh, really had it on lock for, for a time yeah. until until the 7D, until the advent of the 7D DP. It's true. And, uh, and Canon's ascendancy. This has been early 2000s camera talk <laughs> with Benjamin R. Harrison and Adam Pranica. <laughs> Seven of Nine does not want to participate in this deborgification of herself project. You will supply us with a subspace transmitter and leave us on the nearest planet. Well, she's horrified because she put herself in the regeneration booth and woke up without a neurotransceiver. Like, yeah. she's shocked to find out that parts of herself have been removed. And I can't help but agree. Like, she takes great umbrage with the idea of shit getting removed. And she is irate when she's told that not only was this stuff removed, like, there's not going to be any putting it back in or reconnecting with the collective. What have you done to me? Your body was rejecting the Borg technology. It can't be done. And also, she's going to die if they don't do the surgery. Like, this is an argument that gets cut short because she is in a great amount of physical pain. But the upshot of what Janeway and the doctor are telling Seven is we've got to pull all this crap out of you because you will die if we don't. Perhaps you'd like an analgesic cream. That fact just doesn't land with Seven of Nine. The whole death thing is not mm-hmm. persuasive. And so we get a real breakdown to theme. It's very intense. And when we come back, uh, we are in Six Bay. Seven is out and on the slab and the doc is talking about how difficult this is going to be. Like the fully Borgified Borg is pretty heavily clamped up with this stuff. And and he's talking about like millions of points of connection between the armor plating and her skull. I feel like the bio bed with the arch that closes over the chest is what the doctor would normally be using. But Rick Berman mm-hmm. kind of vetoed that and said <laughs> like, no, we just want to... We want to shoot Seven of Nine in profile and nothing will be covering her up. We spent a lot of money on the board costume that is revealing in a very particular way. And uh... <laughs> I love it. You know, you know, Rick is like, how about we go with the board costume that's got a little bit of off the shoulder and uh, also shows side butt later on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no bad ideas, Rick. It's a board costume that anticipates the yoga pants with see-through panels right. by almost 30 years. Yeah. I guess <laughs> modern fashion sensibilities forgave this yeah. retroactively. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so it's just one of many inventions that Star Trek came up with, you know. Yeah. Kess is there to assist, as she usually does. And when the doctor asks for a device to use, Kess is able to yank a hypo spray off of the cart with her mind, mm-hmm. which would make her a ton of fun at a dim sum restaurant, I think. <laughs> hey, is that barbecue bow across the room there? Yeah. Oh, hey, thanks, Kes. Hey, can I, can I get some of that baby bok choy with the sauce? Oh, fuck. It looks like they're going to run out of foil wrapped chicken before they get here. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Kess. This is surprising <laughs> to everyone, Kess included. And even Tuvok yeah. is impressed. The tricks that she can do with her mind are not limited to freshening people up. She is now able to use the force as well. Right. And her serotonin is way up. And she starts talking about how her 
experience psychokinetically has been pretty different ever since she made contact with Species 42069. Right, because initially they're in fear of that idea. Like, are they still in touch? Is this related? But no, they're not on the scene at all. No. Species 42069, not an issue anymore. It's just that Kess's brain power has been souped up big time. Yeah. In Janeway's ready room, Chakotay walks in with a report that they're removing the Borg armor, but uh, the warp core repairs have not been fixed either, and it's a real all-hands-on-deck situation, right? The gun is working in shifts. <laughs> We've got, in some cases, not extremely qualified people working in engineering just because they need the mm-hmm. bodies, right? They're not out of the woods. There are Borgs still transwarping around them. They've picked them up on sensors and they need to put some distance between themselves and Borg space, but the warp core being down really makes that tough to do. Janeway really seems enthusiastic about integrating Seven of Nine into the crew, so much so that she's like, well, can Seven help in this situation? And Chakotay really has some doubt. It makes sense from a, like, she's the one that put this crap in standpoint. Yeah, that's true. You break it, you buy it. But Chakotay's, you know, misgivings are, are based on, like, there is no reason to believe that we can trust her. Just because her link to the collective is severed does not make her a safe bet. And... They start to talk about like the history of this of this character, and there's not a lot of information about the human girl that Seven of Nine once was, but what they can figure out is her name was Annika Hansen. Her mom and dad were total weirdos who wanted to explore space, but not under the aegis of Starfleet. Oh, goddamn fucking hippies. And they just like struck out for the Delta Quadrant at some point 20 years ago. And that was the last anyone heard of them. She might have been the first human ever assimilated. It's so interesting how Janeway describes Annika's parents' hippie bullshit. <laughs> like really dismissively. But to me, is there anything more pure than how they feel about exploration? Like the way they did it? Like she's kind of got you beat, Janeway. Her parents do, I mean. <laughs> we talk about the Starfleets being the kind of misfits of the Federation, and these people are like, hold my beer. I'm an even bigger misfit. <laughs> this is real open world video game stuff, right? Like Annika Hansen's parents just chose a direction and went yeah. out. This is why you, you didn't care that much for the Star Trek online game, as they made you t- do too many tutorials. Yeah. You were just like, oh. I just, I, I just want to crash my starship into planets with my friends. Yeah, get me out of this walled garden. I really wanted to Latarian Milton my way through Star Trek. They wouldn't let me. <laughs> the scene ends with Chakotay trying to pop Janeway's optimism balloon about Seven of Nine's potential on board the ship. And that is kind of a smell that hangs in the air for quite a while. It's a real stinky ship from here on in. And they uh, have to cut this conversation short before they have resolved this because uh, they get called down to six bay with some non-specific problems in the way that star trek the next generation definitely changed its visual style in season three Mm -hmm. do you feel like voyager did as well it feels like the lighting in season four has been changed or 
the color timing has created just more contrast in the visual that we're getting. Like there are some scenes in this episode where like half of Chakotay's face is just black. Like there is no yeah. detail in it at all. I mean, it's always been lit way darker than TNG, but also lighter than DS9. Yeah. But this is, yeah, this did feel like a very moody episode. It may just be related to the Borgs thing and it might change back to the way it was, but I, I definitely noticed it this episode. For sure. What's going on in Six Bay is the doc is starting to like pull stuff off of Seven of Nine's head. Heat! Move! And they're going to store all these implants in uh, some kind of chamber. Would you talk a, a little bit about the ethics here with, with Janeway? Like the ethics of X being someone who has expressly asserted that that is not what they want. It's such an interesting tension because it all depends on where you stick the point of Annika slash Seven of Nine's agency, right? Like if, her, yeah. if life begins at Borg or if life <laughs> begins at Annika, it changes what you're prescribing to her as a, as a doctor, I think. And I would say that that's, you know, a philosophical or religious question and not a legal question. Sure. It's a personal choice. The captain basically says, like, listen, she lost her free will when she was assimilated, and I'm going to be her proxy until such time as she is de-assimilated. And so my order is to proceed with X being her. Yeah. And so that's what the doctor's going to do. It's an interesting question of medical ethics, and it's something that the doc thinks a lot about before, yeah. before choosing what to do here. But the doc has like, has like refused to do a, a, things on this show. Yeah. And this so is far not all he's he... done is take her plate off <laughs> <laughs> and sent it to storage. Right. But uh, now he's working on her and we really get the benefit of that half dome not being over her because she starts writhing. Yeah. And uh, Rick Berman got, gets really excited in this moment. Yeah. Kess is initially extremely unhelpful to the point where the doc is like, Cass, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Are you helping or not? If you got time to lean, you got time to help. <laughs> you got time to assist in brain surgery. <laughs> and Cass begins to freshen up Seven of Nine, but in a very useful way. She's able to see what's inside her Borg's brains and yeah. notices that there's a Borg's implant pressing on a nerve that they hadn't detected. It's a unique system. I know this. The late 90s was really peak a camera shot that zooms yeah. down into the cellular level. Yeah. And this is one of the great executions of that technique. I feel like there was a span of three or four years where almost every movie I saw, yeah. almost every TV show Took a took a swing at bat with this. It's cool as hell in this moment. Yeah, and and what she is doing is in her mind zooming down into Seven's brain and finding a Borg implant deep inside her motor cortex, and she's able to freshen just the implant up yeah. so that it kind of dissolves. She's in there. She's like, "You want me to top you off?" And the Borg implant's <laughs> like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> we are Borg, and it works." It works. The flapping around stops. Yeah. And everybody uh, does that like, Kess, what the hell did you just do? Yeah. Tuvok has always been the master martial artist who is tutoring a student who has way more 
potential mm -hmm. than he does <laughs> right but still still wants to like you know maintain the role of uh of the instructor and he's like you're not disciplined i'm gonna help you you know work this stuff out Kess could have snatched the pebble episodes and episodes ago yeah this is uh this is just tuvok signing up to get freshened up again i think <laughs> really is it's it's so interesting like he more than anyone knows her freshening up power <laughs> but this is a moment of excitement right because she really smashes the doc's balls about like the doctor being proud of this eye implant that he's designed that's going to go into uh, Seven of Nine's soon-to-be vacant ocular cavity. And right. uh, he, you know what? He kind of considers himself an artist, too, not just a scientist for <laughs> for the panache <laughs> that he's used in making this thing. And Kess walks in, kicks him in the nuts because she's psyched about how well she was able to perform using her powers earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're a talented doctor. Uh, didn't see you doing much when uh, her motor cortex was flipping out. I kind of handled that one. Tuvok's like, Kes, would you mind if I borrowed the ball kicking machine? And then like turns it towards <laughs> Kes, pops in a couple of quarters because there will be no enthusiasm in any workplace while Tuvok is around, Ben. This is a moment that really surprised me because Tuvok's like... Uh, I believe what you need to do is uh, is harness these powers in the most boring way possible. We will proceed cautiously and in the least dramatic way we can think of. Right. And I was shocked that Kess agreed to this. I feel like she's just buying time. You know, she, she knows that uh, the constraints are going to fall away quickly. Yeah. When they walk back over to Seven of Nine, she's got a lot more color in her skin, but somehow that makes her look grosser. God, I thought the same thing. Like, she's looking less wan, <laughs> but not totally unwan. It's like she was drawn with crayons. The coloring is just a little off. And I think that that, like, implant that is, like, skin with, <laughs> like, over her eye, it's like a flat flap of skin with yeah. machinery on it. That, I think that's really upsetting looking. Really is. I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. I, I you might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. 
Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com, promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. We've talked about the ethics of deborgification, and now we have a little scene about the psychology of it. Like the feeling of aloneness that Seven is undergoing and also the kind of like, how can you claim to stand for freedom and self-determination when you are doing this operation to me or this series of operations to me without my consent? You can alter our physiology, but you cannot change our nature. I love this scene because I like scenes where the Federation and its people are made to feel the hypocrisy that they should occasionally feel in how they dole out their values, sometimes against other people's will. Then you are no different than the Borg. They should be made to defend their beliefs yeah. as often as possible. And this is a tricky context for the captain to stand on her values and defend them, but she does. I mean, it doesn't help Seven of Nine's side because she's totally irate. Like, she's trying to humiliate Janeway here for being a hypocrite. Right. And I think, I mean, a lot of what she says makes sense. We do not want to be what you are. And I think, interestingly, Seven is not at her best for this argument. Yeah. I think she could be making it better, but she is so recently traumatized by the disconnection. And what Janeway is talking about is, like, when you're in the collective, you don't feel any 
second guessing of yourself. You you know, mm-hmm. you have this unified will and thousands of minds united in their pursuit of a single goal that is never questioned and to be isolated and not have the benefit of that would probably make it pretty hard to like own Ben Shapiro or whatever. <laughs> this moment felt so real to me because it's an argument that starts pretty unemotional and it quickly spikes into a yelling kind of argument Yeah, for both. And I'm glad it wasn't just constantly one thing throughout. Like it, it really grew in tension and in anger. There's coffee in the- what was stolen from you. What they resolve is that Seven is agreeing to help rip all the board crap out of the ship. So she's she's sort of, I mean, it's it's also just interesting from like a metaphorical standpoint, like Seven is going to help them do to the ship what the captain and the doctor are doing to her. Right. And she doesn't seem to think of the ship in the same way that she thinks of herself, but she's going to be on the engineering team that is trying to get the warp core back going. It's too bad Kess can't freshen up those parts of the ship. <laughs> I mean, she she clearly demonstrated the ability. No one asks yeah. her, though. So we cut down to engineering, and BLT and Kim and a couple of others are working on trying to boot up the warp core, and slump-shouldered outfit seven is brought in by the captain like, okay, here's uh, a new friend. Uh, play nice, kids. <laughs> yeah, like a teacher asking a student to uh, help the new kid make friends. Right, yeah. And cruelly, the captain has brought her to the AV club. Yeah. Hey, Michael, where should I put the slides? Michael. I mean, this is the scene where you really see the off-the-shoulder Borg's dress. What group is she in? They don't even think about a group. And the side butt that would be totally scandalous on any Borg's cube. Nobody dresses like that to work yeah. if, if they're a Borg's. Yeah. BLT is pretty insulting with how she puts the work statement to Seven of Nine. <laughs> this is great. BLT, though, like the, she's always had this in her. She's withering when, when she needs to be. We fully recall the engineering specifications of your vessel. Good. Can you also recall the way it looked before you turned it into a Borg circus? Meanwhile, in Tuvok's quarters, he has gotten out a oil lamp for Cass to practice her psychokinetic abilities on. And I was like, really, Tuvok? A thing that's on fire as the first thing? I thought the same thing, man. Why would you go back to the fire? <laughs> no, not good. How about how about using the ice bucket this time, Tuvok? <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I don't want I don't want to be freshened up. I want to be cooled off. Yeah, exactly. That is not how it goes, though, because when asked to freshen up the candle, Kess sure can. What she sees in that flicker of flame goes deeper than the atomic, deeper than the subatomic, deeper than friends, deeper than family. <laughs> she makes the candle holder look like you're on two gummies and a ranch water. <laughs> it is a totally new level of reality. And unfortunately, there's only one other person who knows what that plane of existence is like. Only he is not here to enthusiastically explain <laughs> how it all works. I am a traveler of all of space and time. The ability to like go down to the string theory level is something that Tuvok rejects as even possible. There is nothing beyond the subatomic. But she's like, no, I'm I'm really serious. I'm doing it. 
This and subsequent scenes are so interesting to me between Kess and Tuvok because I keep expecting or projecting the idea of Tuvok becoming jealous. Because whenever the student becomes better than the teacher, there is always that element to it. It's never that. It's never like, I, I guess that's like one of the benefits of the Vulcan eradication of one's own ego. Yeah. I have no ego to bruise. But as a human, it is very hard to relate to him in these scenes because I would be fucking jealous. Yeah, like Cass is seeing the seeing eye poster and Tuva mm-hmm. can't. Yeah, look, it's a sailboat. You saw it too, damn it! And that sucks. It'd be like if we trained somebody to podcast about Star Trek and they got better at it than us. It's, nah, it's a bad metaphor. I'm just going to back out of it. It's like we trained someone to edit our show and they uh-huh. became better at it than us. <laughs> well, that has happened, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> it is possible. And I am a little bit jealous of how good <laughs> she is at it. <laughs> In engineering, BLT and Kim continue to work, but they're struggling to take things out that regenerate themselves. This is a very frustrating problem. Like, I'm taking yeah. the plug out. He took <gasps> it out. But another plug appears. Yeah. And Seven of Nine is almost proud of this. <laughs> like, yeah. I loved the, like, how did you invent this? And she's like, that's not how we do things. Yeah. We don't invent anything. Yeah. I mean, the Borg must have invented something at some point, right? Yeah, there must have been original invention. But then after that, it was all... Assimilation. Yeah. I love how BLT as the boss is like, I'm going to go work over here. Kim, you work with Seven of Nine. <laughs> and it is adorable how Kim tries to hit on her. Something about it reminds me of being in the womb. Get up, Harry. Who are you? Harry Kim. Parents must be very proud. Who are you? They come as come as a pair. Who are you? Harry Kim. Who else is she supposed to get chummy with? Harry Kim. And your mom? Very proud. Who are you? Harry Kim. Chummy. Chummy. And your mom? Very proud. Harry Kim. Who are you? Harry Kim. This only makes sense, right? Like, Harry Kim has gotten it wet in all of these different contexts that people from the Federation never could have before. <laughs> This is this is the first crack anybody is taking at an XB in history. Yeah. And even though he's like one of the great stickmen, he, he he misses on the first shot. Yeah, I mean he's rightfully curious about whether or not the hardwoods match the other hardwoods. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, it doesn't go great and instead of uh closing the deal, he catches those hands because Seven of Nine has identified some communications equipment in the wall. She knocks him out. Does not knock out the security person that's watching them, but then like up on the bridge, they're like, oh, somebody's accessing communications. Yeah, the way Kim kind of bowling pins that security dude away. (laughs) Big fun. Yeah. You know what she's after? She's after getting that transmitter going. Yeah. She saw a little chip inside the wall and was like, well, this might be my only chance. It'd be like if E.T. tried to phone home using force fields and violence. Right. But she really gets into those computer guts fast, faster than anyone on the ship is able to stop it. And while this is happening, Cass and Tuvok are still working on candle practice. And Cass is like aware of Seven being up to no good, rummaging in parts of the ship that she should not be. And Cass in a 
really fun combination of hospitality and psionics. It's like, <laughs> can I freshen you up with some wharf lightning? <laughs> and totally wharf lightning Seven of Nine from across the ship. She stops Seven of Nine, but also causes very serious damage to the compartment that she did this in. I got confused because... In, on the bridge, they're talking about how walls are buckling and shit is venting out into space. But when we see the compartment Seven is in and where Kess is, like we don't see any of that damage. Yeah, it's just like bubbly, rippling walls. Yeah. Maybe after we cut away from the rippling, they, they set back in place not correctly. Yeah. But yeah, when we come back from break, the captain and Tuvok are marching down to where Seven is now, and it's the brig. Yeah. She's gone from engineer to prisoner. There are three things to remember about being a starship captain. Keep your shirt tucked in, go down with the ship, and do it. I feel like this is, like, exactly where the script needed to go, right? Like, there are badly written Voyager scripts where a character that repeatedly shows themselves not to be trustworthy is like continues to have trust extended toward them. Right. Up until the moment where they build an explosive and destroy a large portion of the ship. <laughs> yeah. This is not that episode. Like seven slips up once and is immediately isolated and locked up. It's interesting how similarly the A and the B stories are playing out, right? Like this is an episode about two people who may or may not be too powerful to contain on the right. ship. And can they afford to keep it, either of them around? Right. Rick Berman would say uh, the tie gets broken by the stacked one. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> if we got to keep one. Tell Jennifer Lean to uh, fold up her cat suits and leave them in her trailer. I know things haven't worked out exactly the way we planned. The accusation that is very easy for Seven to sling it the captain is like, you have talked a ton of shit about how much you prize freedom and self-determination as a people. Now, the second I do one thing that you don't like, you lock me up, so what gives? And, I mean, the captain has already kind of given voice to this, but she repeats it for Seven's benefit, which is that, like, you don't have access to rationality right now because you've been severed from the collective and you didn't grow up knowing what it's like to be on this side of the line. It's tough when you're like a few degrees of separation from who the real bad guys are. And that's part of the evolving complexity of their argument here. It's also a heavy moment for the captain because she's like a little bit embarrassed that she thought that their agreement was real. Yeah. Speaking of dissolving relationships in the mess hall neelix has poured some champagne oh yeah remember neelix some talaxian champagne <laughs> for Cass, and they toast to the adventure in a scene that mirrors a moment that they had together very early on in the series and they have a conversation here that is so utterly the conversation that healthy exes who go on to have a friendly relationship can sometimes have like this isn't yeah. a thing that everyone's able to have but i think the exes in your life or the the ex couples in your life that you've remained friends with like this is a thing that you witness i think when they've when they've done it well right like rooting yeah, yeah. for each other openly and supportive of each other in in whatever they end up doing 
whether or not we're together, I always there's always going to be a part of me that blah blah blah. And what sucks though is like a lot of these friendly ex relationships, one of them makes the mistake of asking the other what they're into lately. So tell me more about what's happening to you. What does it all mean? And Kess <laughs> drives the conversation car right into how into Crystal she is, basically. <laughs> And then before Neelix can interrupt her, demonstrates her powers a little too close to his junk. She's like, I could turn this whole table into more wine. And this rockets him across the room. Neelix is sitting legs open under the table like anyone would and is like horrified at what he's seeing inches away from his crank. I thought I pulled my cock off. This is a moment where they cut up to the bridge and... The readings from Neelix's restaurant are deeply troubling. They got to send a security team down there. The captain heads down there. I'm not sure if it, like on the panel though, like is the emergency in Neelix's restaurant, like no alert, yellow alert, in the weeds, (laughs) red alert. And is this, this is emergency supersede in the weeds. Like right. on a, like during brunch service, is this worse with the walls buckling and, and people being yeah. thrown across? The captain's like, Mr. Kim, just how long is the line? <laughs> are they seating parties that are not all there? Or is, is there enough tables that they can seat people where they claim one of the members of the party is quote unquote parking? Are they really asking for 30 slips? For an eggs benedict. (laughs) (laughs) When they get down there, Kess has gone kind of ghostly. Yeah. She's like on her knees with her, you know, she looks like she's in like a Christian revivalist documentary. Mm. It's kind of a reverie. Like it doesn't look painful for her. No, she looks like she's liking it. Yeah. But uh, structural integrity is getting fucked up in the ship every time she does this. Yeah. Deck two has gone to number two. Can't do that. And uh, it seems like Kess is on the path to becoming a being of pure energy. I mean, and as we know, Deck 2, Neelix's restaurant is right underneath the bridge. Yeah. So pretty dangerous proximity, I'd say. Bad news bears. Yeah. The doctor is like, uh, yeah, I've never treated someone for being of pure energy. Boy, doesn't the doctor have his hands full this episode? Yeah, it's like you said, like, which of the two of them is more dangerous? Yeah. And is it even a competition or is it just like, maybe we should get both of them off the ship? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would make sense. They know that Kess's powers are getting stronger, but they don't know what exactly is happening to her. Like, it's still a mystery. Tuvok is ordered to increase the structural integrity fields and they decide, like, let's just do more research. This appears to have gone beyond medical science. We're into particle physics now. There's an interesting interstitial scene here where Kess is, like, waiting for her next test to be done, like the next thing to be biopsied or whatever. Right. And the doc is like, you know, actually, there's not much we can do at this point. Like, we're still working on your labs, waiting for the results from earlier. Right. If you want to go take a break or whatever, uh, go ahead. But there is such wait to the moment of Kess just wanting to be with him yeah. as if she knows that this is one of the last times they're going to hang out. Actually, I'd like to stay here, help with the research. It's a really sweet scene and seems very meaningful to the doc as well. Like he has sort of become a parent figure for her in, in many ways. And uh, yeah, it seems like uh, it seems like they're 
saying goodbye to each other without saying goodbye to each other. Yeah. In the brig, we get uh, a kind of awkward scene of Seven of Nine flopping around against the force field. She never attacks the same place twice. <laughs> she remembers. And Janeway is get, is called down to check in with her. And it's clear in this scene that Seven of Nine is going through the stages of Borg's separation. Mm. She's still in denial and in anger, for sure. Yeah. She's going through multiple stages at the same time because Borgs are just efficient that way. Right, yeah. I wrote in my notes that like an XB counselor would be really useful right now. Like yeah. somebody who could be there to walk you through what you're going through. This is a scene where Janeway refers to people that she knows who are XBs. Yeah. Who did you think she was talking about? Because there there are XBs like the ones that Chakotay met on that planet. Yeah. I thought she was talking about Picard. Oh, interesting. Wow. Did not put that together. I wonder if they couldn't be specific because they would have had to pay somebody like a union <laughs> stipulated fee. That's shitty, but I get it. <laughs> she drops the force field and walks in to the cell, despite Seven's assurances that that will cost Janeway her life. And what Janeway shows her on the iPad is the picture we saw before of Annika Hansen. And uh, this is kind of a revelation for Seven. This felt like a line step to me for her. I was bracing for a really bad reaction to this. It felt high risk. Yeah. For sure. It's the like, is the problem with Seven of Nine just that she needs a hug <laughs> question? Right. And she's attempting this toward someone who has said moments before that she would kill her. But, you know, Ensign Ayala is there with a mini dustbuster, so. Yeah. <laughs> How much risk is the captain really in? Like, Seven of Nine can't make a, a, a personal force field anymore. Yeah, I guess not. It's hard to watch though, like, she's really struggling. It's really, really sad. This moment is so sad. Yeah. I feel like, you know, there there is the obvious, like, horny element to casting Jerry Ryan in this role, but there's also the, like, can she do the emotional heavy lifting of this character question, and I feel like this scene really proves that she's got what it takes. I think that's a great call, and, like, I approached this episode with that kind of baggage, like, oh man, like I had heard it was rough sledding for her from jump. And, you know, she was made to be robot sex goddess right. from jump. But what I was surprised and happy to realize was just how great Jerry Ryan was from the start. Like this is yeah. all really hard stuff to do and in full Borg's costuming. Totally. Yeah, she, she spent six hours in a makeup chair having full body, extremely weird makeup put all over her. And then she delivers a performance like this. And that is, you know, I feel like it rises above the material in a lot of ways. If you go back and read what her comments were surrounding the production of these episodes, she was not told the extent to which she would be Borgified in these episodes. Don't want that life. It's what you are. Don't resist it. She was wow. quite surprised that she would be loaded up the way that she was with all the implants and stuff. Damn. Do it. 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 Do it.
we get another flyby of Voyager and the captain's log is about how Kes is getting more and more psychokinetic. And when we get to the interior, it's just Kes sitting alone on a couch, like grinning. <laughs> like, hey, I'm shredding the hull of this starship that I'm on, but I'm pretty happy about it. There's been a strange energy to Jennifer Lean's performance the last couple episodes. Yeah. And a really powerful emotional energy to this scene because when Janeway sits down next to her and Kess finally confides the truth that she needs to leave, I was blown away by how emotional this moment was. And I expected it from Jennifer Lean, but wow, what Kate Mulgrew brings to this moment felt as much personal as it felt like acting. It felt like there were real people leaking through the performance here in this moment in a powerful way. It's sad. I mean, it's like it's the character getting written off the show saying that they're getting written off the show and it's time to go. It's not like a huge shock or anything. But yeah, they brought the weight of the transition this is to this scene in a great way. Yeah. Janeway has a hard time accepting this and she doesn't have to accept it, but she grants it, right? Yeah. And that's like another moment of that, like the personal freedom characters are entitled to on this ship stuff. I mean, this is what brings the two storylines into a parallel feeling, right? Like these are two people having to figure out the choices they're able to make for themselves and they're treated very differently. They are. I I also just tripped off the line that Cass spent most of her life on Voyager and I was like, fuck, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, but she's tearing the ship apart, Lisa. You can't keep freshening up the ship this way. And it goes from zero to 100 very fast because how, it, how touching this scene concludes immediately pivots into she's going to blow up the ship and we need to get her out of here. Yeah, like we're getting her to a shuttle. Like let's beam her to the shuttle. Oh, she's like non-corporeal enough now that the transporter doesn't know what to do with her. So we're just going to have to run for it. It happens really fast. Every section of hallway that they run through explodes behind them. Yeah, they really pulled out the foam guns. <laughs> they sure did. In a great way. There's a moment where Tuvok buys her some time by melding with her. The mind meld is not a shortcut for dealing with mental trauma. I was ready for another, like, melty Tuvok face at this moment. Yeah. I mean, he, for some reason, was able to absorb it differently this time, and it and it bought Kess enough time to make it to the shuttle and off the ship. And they give her a brat as a going-away prize. Yes! <laughs> good luck. She flies away. They get her up on FaceTime after a couple of false starts. And they're like giving the readings like that she doesn't even have an atomic structure anymore Yeah. while she's talking to them. And she gives them one last gift, which is that as she turns into a flash of Q light, the ship like rockets across the galaxy. We go, we go to engineering first and we see the, uh, the liquid in the warp core just going absolutely crazy. And we see Voyager just zoom through space and... Tom Paris doesn't want to say we're going faster than warp 10 because he knows what that means right? in a deep way. Yeah. But it seems like they're going faster than warp 10. I mean, he looks around the bridge looking for other cloaca. <laughs> no one's ready to bone. No, no. This is not horny warp. This is just no. regular super fast warp. 
super duper fast warp and they come out the other side 10 years closer to earth hey that really helped hey that's yeah. the gift that's the gift that's in the title of the episode yeah pretty nice what a nice gift yeah you shouldn't have come on <laughs> this is too much five years would have been more than enough yeah Kess given the gift of a shuttle voyager being the, given the gift of 10 years off their trip seven of nine the gift of a brand new dress. <laughs> new cat suit. Who dis? Yeah. And some hair. Seven of Nine is now without 82% of her implants. And yeah. when the doc and Janeway walk in, the doc explains that the way she looks is due to his personal tastes. <laughs> Excellent work, Doctor. I admire your attention to detail. So we, we know whose avatar yeah. Rick Berman has in the cast. <laughs> Ooh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is going to be a transition period, though, right? Because just because uh, a large percentage of her Borg implants have been removed, it doesn't mean she isn't going to need to regenerate. So she's going to need to uh, use the alcove closet to get her energy back. And in exchange, she promises not to get everyone assimilated from then on. Yeah. Hey, that's nice of her. Yeah. The captain gives her a, a comm badge. She says, call me anytime, day or night. I'm always here, but you're not allowed out of this room. <laughs> Oddly, uh, the Borg alcove, one of the more comfortable sleeping arrangements on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they don't have pillows, but it's also like, if it's those pillows, do you even want one? <laughs> yeah, if it's those pillows, yeah, do not want. The button on the episode is Tuvok lighting a candle for his student who has become the master. And uh, we zoom out on a long zoom out from the ship that still does have a couple of those board gadgets on the hull, but not as many as uh, we started the episode with. And we get the single brass instrument of Rick Bourbon making very specific casting choices. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Adam? I like that moment, like that that visual language of a main character looking out a window while the single brass instrument plays. Like that's that's Star Trek right there. That's yeah, that's super the is. that's the punctuation at the end of something heavy happening. And something heavy did happen this episode. Kess's yeah. departure from the show, and even more than that, Jennifer Lean's departure from the show is something that was fairly traumatic for everyone involved. And yeah. it's a story that changed forms over the years. At the time, people were fairly gutted at her leaving. And it's because she was so well-liked. And that's really where the story ended at that time. But as the years went on, the information that came out was that Jennifer Lean was someone who struggled with her mental health. And... In the mid to late 90s, it was a thing that was even less out in the open than it is today. I just wish the way people treated their mental health was healthier back then. It's it's by no means perfect right now, but it's not anywhere what it's like today. And especially in a workplace like a television show, I, yeah. I have to wonder if things wouldn't be different today, if the show were being made today, if there were an actor who had the struggles that she had. And, yeah. and what I'm saying is like, lately what ended up coming out was like the real reason for her departure was that were those problems. 
and it's just a sad story. Yeah, and I mean, who knows how much the work environment contributed to or exacerbated or didn't, you know, it's it's very, you know, from the outside, it's impossible to say, yeah. but um, it does sound like she had a really hard time both during and after, and I don't know a ton about it, but... Kate Mulgrew had some just especially great things to say about Jennifer Lean and was like a real great friend to her uh, toward the end from what I read, and... What a what a tough thing to have to to let go a friend and a coworker and to hope for the best but but see what happened as as not being that not being what you hope or expect. Yeah, I mean, I think that at least they had the grace to write her off in a way that honored the potential of the character without being corny or like a, you know, they didn't kill her off for no good reason or whatever. They they didn't armis her. Yeah, exactly. which was good. I also uh, liked this episode. I am excited for what it sets up for the future. I think that the two episode, three episode arc that we just got off of is pretty important Star Trek canon. Like it influences a lot of new Trek. It recontextualizes a lot of old Trek and uh, it definitely, you know, makes a whole new show for us to be watching going forward. Yeah. I mean, this show... Star Trek Voyager really is Old Testament, New Testament at this moment, right? This is the yeah. this is the moment of delineation in this show. Absolutely, yeah. Interesting to see that be a couple episodes into a new season. That's yeah. like definitely a technology that Baywatch employed. Like, <laughs> if a main character is getting written off the show, they often get like the first two episodes of the season where they're they're leaving to uh to tell that story. I like when things are like Baywatch. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> hey, this show is a lot more like Baywatch now. Yeah. yeah no sh- no kidding. <laughs> well, Adam, do you want to see if uh, we got anything in the priority one inbox? Ben, I've taken my red floaty and run down the lifeguard tower toward the water where the P1s are kept. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first priority one message is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. Some podcast hosts may think Babylon 5 is... But what our theory presupposes is, maybe it isn't. If you're a diehard B5 fan or just interested in 90s era sci-fi, join Laura and Jaffer at Who Are You? Question mark, a Babylon 5 watchcast and listen along as these two internet strangers get to know each other over one of their favorite shows, Babylon 5. You know, a lot of these promotional messages about other podcast ideas, many of them are ones that I'm envious of. <laughs> and maybe uh, that's where I'll end that statement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, Laura and Jaffer, you can have this one. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh, if you're a fan of that, ba- I know that we have a lot of Babylon Five fans. We sure in, do. Yeah. In the uh, in the Friends of Desoto verse, and uh, I hope they will check out. Who are you? A Babylon Five Watchcast. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud or your favorite podcatcher and just and subscribe today. Yeah. That sounds real fun. <laughs> <laughs>
Sure does, Ben. Our second priority one message is from Ian. It is to Erica. That message goes like this. Question. Is something doubled? Answer. Yes. My love for you every day we're together. Wow. Happy anniversary to the sweetest babe that I ever babed. <laughs> I can't wait to welcome our little girl to this old family. And I promise to try to be a slightly better father than Worf. Love your hunk. <laughs> Ian is really setting a low bar for himself. Yeah. I think you're going <laughs> to be all right, Ian. <laughs> Just don't lock yourself out of your house. <laughs> no kidding. We are pretty late on the uh, anniversary timing here, but uh, a happy anniversary, Ian and Erica, and congrats on uh, on your little girl. That's great. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. Adam, our final P1 is from Rob P, and it's to Ben and Adam, and it goes like this. Thanks for the many hours of entertainment. In return, I have one story. My dad at some point dragged my mom to the Star Trek experience in Vegas when that still existed. He tells a story of a Klingon there calling my mom a difficult Patak. <laughs> However, he thinks Patak means mate. I am a little too embarrassed to correct him and no one else knows or cares. Wow. <laughs> you know, what's funny is like the English Klingons, you know, casually throw around Patak all the time, yeah. but it's not something oh, that you yeah. can culturally get away with using in America like that. Right. Yeah. You might just call your buddy a Patak yeah. in, in, uh, <laughs> in Klingon England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Kalundan. <laughs> yeah i i barely i was so young when i went to the star trek experience when my parents took me there like i barely wow. remember it i wish i would i had been a little bit older but i think if i had been it, it would have been closed it, i know yeah it uh, went away too soon it's a real shame bring it back bring it back las vegas you know it's coming back yeah it's got to come back well, if you'd like to leave a Priority One message, we would sure appreciate it. And you can set one up at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. And uh, we got some availability at the end of the year. So uh, go, ahead and, go ahead and get it done. Why not? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did, Adam. I'm going to call the doctor my drunk Shimoda this episode, just for the rationalization at the end. Like, they had to put in the doctor's mouth why Seven of Nine is dressed in, like, yeah. six-inch fuck-me heels <laughs> that are part of a cat suit that has, like, visible underwire <laughs> built into the structure of it. Such a ridiculous choice. And for the doctor to like stand in front of that as his his influence on the character. You know what? That's is, a great call. Is like if you're Robert Picardo and you're made to stand in front of that bus, <laughs> like he's gonna be absorbing the shit. Yeah. Yeah. So for that reason, the EMH gets it, and to a slightly lesser extent, the producers having the writers characterize it in that way <laughs> how about you Adam? who knew that the doctor was an xb man yeah my shimoda is going to go to chakotay and really like robert beltran as an actor has been really growing on me yeah i barely remember those awkward first season episodes i'm fully <laughs> on the chakotay train and uh 
part of the reason is what makes him my Shimoda this episode. In that scene where Janeway has got the file on Annika Hansen and yeah. she shows him that file, Chakotay's Arborg take <laughs> is wonderful. Chakotay react here is really funny to me. And that's what's going to make him my Shimoda. Like he kind of <laughs> he kind of does the look around. <laughs> yeah. Very fun. Yeah. Well, the next episode of the show is season four, episode three, Day of Honor. The Klingon Day of Honor turns into a string of bad luck for Balana. That's it? That's all of the description that we get here. Uh, I got to tell you about uh, how we are going to be watching it, though, Adam. And for that, we turn to the game of buttholes. The Will of the Caretaker, which is over at gach.biz slash game. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Our runabout is currently on square 60. And uh, I'm going to get the bone a-rolling to tell you how our next episode is going to go. It looks like I could hit a space butthole, which would take us back down to the second row for a quartz bar. I could hit a ship in a bottle. A Starship Mine episode where we have to build a Starship model uh, <laughs> while recording the show. Have we done that before? I don't think we've ever hit that uh, that square. There's still a couple of squares that we've never hit. But, uh, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and roll this. All right. Tell you how it goes. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Wow, and I rolled a six, shooting us past both of those to square 66. Wow. Regular episode next week, Adam. Boy, I was really, I flinched. I got to tell you, I thought we'd be making a model or doing a Quark's Bar episode. Listen to this. We're This episode comes out on 6-6-2022. I rolled a six and we landed on square 66. What? There's just a are ton we, of sixes. Are we in a time loop? <laughs> ben, I think you should uh, vent the shuttle bay. To get us out of the way of the Bozeman. I think that's I, what we that need to do. That might be the only way. And it's uh, it's it's season four, episode two, which adds up to six. What? <laughs> I'm getting the chills. Yeah. And I don't think it's from that second booster. <laughs> I'm getting the coincidence chills. That's pretty wild stuff. Well- if you are a fan of wild stuff and uh, would like to support the show, MaximumFun.org slash join is where you do that. We sure appreciate it. We are a almost entirely listener-supported show. We have a couple of ads here and there, but uh, not enough to keep the lights on around here. And for that, we need you. So uh, if you're in a position to become a monthly supporter, we would really appreciate it. No matter what position you're in, I think you're in the right position to rate and review the show. True. In Overcast, it just involves hitting the little star button. Uh, mm -hmm. But in, in a place like Apple Podcasts, give us the five-star treatment and maybe a, a sentence about why you like it. Reviews yeah. really help other people find the show, and we are very interested in seeing that happen. That'd be great. Using social media to talk about how much you like the show also really helps. Use the hashtag GreatestGen if you are on a hashtag connected platform also give us a follow at greatest trek on insta and twitter those accounts are run by the card daddy bill tilly our buddy who makes baseball cards about every episode of our show 
post them over there. It's a ton of fun. The music you're hearing right now is by Dark Materia, but the theme music and interstitial music was uh, inspired by it and created by Adam Ragusea, uh, one of the best yeah. friends of DeSoto. And uh, God, just a mega popular YouTube and now podcast sensation. Get in and subscribe to his family of products. Yeah, learn some cool stuff about food and cooking from Adam Ragusea. And uh, we always have to thank Wendy Pretty, the producer of this program, without whom this really <laughs> this really got hard to justify <laughs> yeah. without a, uh, a full-time producer on our team. And we just we're, we feel so lucky to have found such a terrific member of the team in Wendy Pretty. And we appreciate everybody that helps us get the show to you. You can tell how much she means to the show because Ben and I are nicer in our descriptions of her than either of us have been toward each other <laughs> for the entire run of the greatest generation With you that, never talk will... about me that way ben no no <laughs> Would not. Uh, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that, while it is not a drunk episode or any of the other themed types of episode, does seem to be the result of some really bad luck. And we're not sure if that's Game of Buttholes related or what. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.